0: You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network.
1: We have begun a new calendar and another 25,000-year cycle as we journey into a new realm of reality through the windows in your mind. We now begin with the knowledge of humanity and its divine origins from intergalactic conversations from the past and present. Let us look through a window into the ever-evolving consciousness and explore new possibilities with our place in the cosmos and the quantum world. Grandmother Parisha of Cherokee Heritage reveals the wisdom of the ancient past that will lead us into a peaceful future. Experience the love and peace through the exceptional wisdom of Grandmother Parisha as she shares science and ancient knowledge, merged together to benefit all of humanity.
0: Greetings, beautiful beings. This is Parisha, and this is Windows in Your Mind. Every time I say that, I kind of get little buzz things up and down my spine. So that basically means a lot to me when I say this is Windows in Your Mind. Uh, All the work that I do and all the journeying through the 75 years of life that I've done... I've actually always related to time sequences and particulars as windows in time and windows in life. So it's very, very good that you're here with us and maybe within your particular life circle you also have those windows. And please be aware that you can share them by simply clicking onto the fan page. It's on our homepage here in in Law of Attraction Radio. And we'll make sure that we get back to you. And sooner or later, as soon as I can stop my traveling, I will be in a studio so we can do some call-ins. Meanwhile, you're as well as here. If you know the sciences of reality, then you know that you are here anyway. So just send those messages in or email me and make sure that we begin to dialogue and have some uh, person-to-person stuff. Okay? And that would be Parisha at parashaonline.com if you choose to email me. And the other part of of what we can do is actually bring a lot of your particular perspectives to the show because that's exactly what I pick the topics off of, is whatever the majority of interest seem to be at whatever cycle of time that we're in. So basically, please get in touch. Be a part of it. Put yourself in. You make a difference. You matter. And definitely, I want to hear from you. So we're going to talk today about some things that has to do with what's going on in the world and the wonderful, uh, I feel, progress that we're making in the field of enlightenment through all of the you know wonderful and excellent teachers as well as leaders. Uh, recently, someone come up to me and said, I'm not a leader, and I know this person, so I know how much she actually accomplishes, okay? And she says, but I don't see myself as a leader I see myself as an organizer. So we're going to talk about that. What, what, you know, What's the difference between a leader and an organizer, if there is a difference, right? Right now, we're simply just going to do it for discussion's sake. But I don't know of anyone who could possibly take lead or actually work in a team consciousness that is not a good organizer. Things have to be specific. In order to know that something's complete, there has to be a process. You know what I'm saying? And I and dealing with a whole lot of just beautiful and wonderful, happy spirits. Most often, people come to me and say they don't like structure. They don't like this. You know, they don't like ritual. They don't like this, and 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 it goes on. The list can be very long. And I listen to it, and and by the time we get through with our discussion, we've kind of come full circle that whatever it is that they're saying they don't like is exactly what they do do or what they need to do. You know, so we, when we hear ourselves talking and we think about the things that we're trying to accomplish, we need to listen a little bit more and thoroughly think through what it is that uh, we want to have happen and how we're making that happen and what more could we possibly uh, inherit and do that would ha- that happen even faster. So we're looking at a world and again this past couple of weeks and I I'm not in studio I'm actually on the road so I hope that our recording is of quality because I know Jules is such a stickler to want the very best quality of recording for you our listeners and I love her for that and I do my best out here in the field to make that happen but then again the field is random and we can't control it like we do in the studio So I know she'll do all of her technical genius and make this as good a quality as we possibly can have. Where are, you know, some of you are saying there, where are you at then? Well, I'm in southern, right now, the southern extreme part of Arizona. And we'll be meeting up with some natives from Mexico, but also coming in from Guatemala. So we're looking at things that are happening and the changes that are happening. And so I bet this week alone, because I usually get hundreds if not a few thousand emails over a few days, and we've gotten pretty much like about 117 emails that are actually asking about what's happening in the Mississippi Valley. And uh, so one of the elders there, definitely a Chicktaw man, had actually some time ago predicted at one gathering for a number of people that they should consider moving out of that area and moving to higher ground. And so I just listened to that and and, uh, took that into consideration. And right now, if you're watching the weather and what's going on, from the Gulf of Mexico right up through the eastern section of Texas right on up toward the Great Lakes, which is uh, geographically known as the Mississippi River. Uh, basin. So what's happening is that the water levels are getting extremely, um, I guess, kind of overcooked for human needs because right now a tremendous amount of people are without homes. The water damage has been extensive and we are in a place to where uh, I know my work is involved in constantly looking to help those people get back into Uh, some kind of balance and get back on their feet and get past the trauma. Uh, I mean, here we are as humans, the intelligent species, so I'm told, okay, that actually is supposed to think about these things and know better or know uh, wisely of, right? But then again, we have populated without thought into whatever looks presently at this time okay. So you have different areas of North America that I'm definitely aware of because of all of the disaster work and and, uh, community work that we do as an organization. And, you you know, repeatedly you see areas which get bombarded by storms. They get bombarded by different weather conditions on an ongoing seasonal basis too. I don't just mean uh, something out of the ordinary like what's happening right now. Okay, but still people populate it. And people make the choice, and I mean, you know, when I'm working in those areas, I ask people, are you going to relocate? And they say, nope, I'm going to build it right back up, and I'm going to, you know, do it and let nature do whatever it has to do. And it's like, well, of that you can be assured. And basically, whatever the situation is, um, you know, in some cases, I've come to know people in some of those areas very personally because time and again, we've had to deal with the fact that their home base gets washed out or gets very much damaged through these conditions and again they put it back together and stay it you know stay the time so right now you know i i know the history of the indigenous community is how we share how the ancestors actually traveled and were pretty nomadic because we followed the Earth's particular messages and signs of what was going to change wherever we were at. And and again now, we have come to be a species that will overpopulate an area and then, you know, complain or go into some drastic situation because the food sources and the resources aren't there. So then we have to question ourselves, how are we the supreme intelligence that everything else is stupid and not as as supposedly intelligent as us okay the animals migrate okay most any any particular species that it even is very much uh, attuned to a locality they become very schizophrenic in behavior in as much as they get kind of skitterish and everything because they realize that the energy that they are accustomed to is not there anymore and it's they have to do something or go away from there. So sometimes that comes to be one of the drastic considerations that I have to get involved with as well. But, you know, right now we don't need to go to prophecies to actually know that most of the geologists and the people who study the sciences of Earth as well as the weather people are constantly letting us know things are different now than they used to be what we have become accustomed to. You know, every once in a while in our history, we've had a little fluke situation that's happened, and it's a one-time hit, and then we go right back into ordinary. Well, that's not happening now. Ordinary is becoming very challenging, and the particular changes that took place were not some temporary little glitch that, you know, come overnight, went away the next day. It is repeatedly happening, and the people Within the Mississippi Valley area, you know, they've been under rain for well over two months now. And the water doesn't give it, the rain doesn't give the water time to dry. So, you know, those circumstances, I mean, as indigenous people, we say, what is the earth and what is the sky saying? And then we take into consideration the consistency that we're seeing. And in that, okay, so what is the solution? Um, I hear people using words like doom and gloom and stuff. No, you need to understand that everything changes. Everything is in constant change. So the only thing that's gloomy is the fact when people expect things to just be stagnant and not have those changes. So when you come to something needing to have consideration... Then you go to a place of solutions and be a good strategist, and you take on things. Um, Many people, when we look at the ruins that are here in the Southwest, people will say those people disappeared or this or that. No, most of the time those people either went to a very extreme, different location and began to be assimilated in another population. And then, you know, we, we begin to think that those particular bloodlines are not uh, with us anymore and that some some strange portal took them out. No, and, and it's migrational intelligence that most indigenous people have always followed the way of the seasons or the way of how the earth actually supplies and becomes our warehouse or our storehouse. So if a corn, if a season of corn, is not getting, being as healthy as the last season was. We know that you can't plant corn there anymore, that you have to give it a rest, that you have to allow it to revitalize itself. Then if you look at an area and you see that the water flows, an accumulation of water is particularly favorable to where that's at. Well, I realize that in our history, we try to settle to where water's available, but not sit in it. We also look at the fact that it's time to move if it becomes extreme. So therefore, you go to higher ground. Uh, I think that most people have sensitivity to what the earth is saying and the needs as well as the changes. I think it's fear that numbs that and we begin to go into denial because we don't know if there are solutions or we don't accept that those solutions are friendly to what it is we want. Okay, And so then we have to look at whatever level of maturity we are as a being that understands that there is a collective consciousness in the environment of which we live and that there are many things than that one would consider now a lot of students that i work with come back and said to me well, how does that work in the fact that quantum science and all of the teachers of that are saying we determine that reality ourselves and i just chuckle at that it's like it's true you know one does not contradict the other it's the contradiction is how you want it to to explain itself or how you don't want to see that there is a middle between this particular statement and that one. So how does that fit into the fact we create the reality? Okay, well, there is an intelligence of which we live in. is called planet. It is a field of nothingness and possibilities. Okay, it has cyclic behavior. And it is attached to a larger universe that also has influences from other larger bodies or smaller bodies of matter that we call stars and planets. so in in as much as we are seeing that and making that our reality, okay, we whatever effects that has, it de- becomes our reality to determine what that is, good, bad, acceptable or otherwise. So right now we're looking at an evolutionary change for the earth and the planet as well as this part of the universe. Our whole solar system is in flux and change. It is the greater intelligence of which we are a part of. Now how we perceive every detail of that reality is exactly what we believe and we let it become through our beliefs. And we can get very much into that and go into deeper discussions, but that's not where I'm trying to go with this particular program today. So we need to look at the fact that I would say to everyone who are actually in locations where you are experiencing some very, very traumatic change, you know, Maybe this is not because you're not in the right place at the right time. Maybe it's a time that says, you know, it's time for you to consider someplace else and something else. I realize that at my age, I am, and I'm 75, that I am considering always like I have 50 more years or more to think about life. And I'm not going to stop that. And it's because I, I am very comfortable with change, I move around all the time. I find the need occasionally to want to have familiar things with me that make me feel home wherever I am. So there are a selective few things that I keep with me that I set up every time I stop to find a place to rest or whatever that I then will claim that space and make that home. But how I deal with that in my mind is I am constantly making myself aware that right now, Right now could be the final moment of my life, and if this is my final moment, I want to make sure that I am at peace and at home wherever I'm at. It allows me to acclimate myself to the communities of which I work in, to you know the inhabitants, from the humans to all the way to whatever other life forms should actually inhabit that particular area, and it allows me to Make myself a part of that. So basically, in my nothingness, I begin to allow the incoming or the actual downloading of other intelligences that share. Or, or particularly, what I, how I'll say it, okay, there's players in my sandbox, okay. Meaning, there are other people that I am now allowing to become part of that field and to become uh, influential or effective upon my particular place in it. And we do that all the time. I am not comfortable in heavy, congested areas, though I spend a great deal of my time in gatherings and circles and audiences and numbers of people. But to actually say that when I want to do my quiet time, I really don't like to have a huge population around me. The population that I want in those times is nature, other forms of life and life itself. And so when I go to New York or a particular city, uh, Phoenix, wherever, I stay in the outskirts of the city simply because the constant hammering and my awareness of all the turbulence that's going on from all of the various energies, it is not restful. So, for me, you know, I have to find, have to be that little hermit person and kind of find that reclusive spot that then becomes my nest. And, like I said, then I have the particular items that I put about that make me at home and familiar enough to me that they bring that word to reality. And then I begin to, you know, interact and know that I am satisfied right now that this be my last moment, I would still be very much at home. The planet is my home, and the sky is my roof, and wherever I'm at, then I am in the right place. So, you know, when we look at that, then I become sensitive and have even become more sensitive to what's coming into this area and what's going to happen in this area. So the conferences of which I will be a part of again and have pretty much become almost a common thing over weekends or at least a day or two through every week to where I'm meeting with other indigenous tablet readers or people who study and, and are very much uh, in the talking and, and uh, exchanging part of ancestral knowledge and wisdom that has been left for the people to consider and in many cases it sounds very different until you truly listen and then you find the the thread of commonality that is there for all of us and uh, right now you know the thing is is that earth changes are not coming they we are in them and so then how are we reacting to them how are we handling them and You know, I don't want to have people going into hysterical craziness and survival, uh, schizophrenia is what I call it, just willing to do any kind of harm to survive a, a moment or whatever you think it is. When we need to consider again, we come to the place to where we are born into death. In other words, the moment we step into the body, we're in a time frequency, and we step into time. Now, through many practices, and I get a lot of people calling me and saying, "Well, I'm into these studies, and you know, I believe that I can be immortal. I can be this or that." Well, I, okay, you know, I'm not giving you any argument with that. And and bless your heart, go ahead and do that. You know what I mean? But here's the thing: that once you're born, you grow from this little infant person that just come out of the womb into a toddler and then you know from there into a youth or person and then you go into being an adult so i don't know you know in your particular teachings and what you're doing you know where you place those so i'm not making anything wrong with it i'm just saying evidently you don't always stay as this new entity that just come out of the mother's womb and there there is a frequency of changes that we go through into that adulthood and if you're saying you come to a place in adulthood where then you can stay for hundreds or millions of years, you know, I am not going to impede on anybody's beliefs, all right? So basically, be that whatever, I'm just saying right now we need to look at the fact that in present time, there's a whole lot of things that are going through the, the life cycles and the cyclic part of whatever that nature is that we become a part of okay is having its particular changes right now and the more uh, adaptability we have the more spontaneity we're willing to be comfortable with you know the ability to not see change as fatal or change as broken and and I, that totally surprises me in a conversation recently in a group that there were several people that told me their reaction to change is the same reaction they feel when something is broken or they have lost and something fatal has happened. And I said, whoa, you know. So it was one of the things we took into some of our practices and how we do the healing work. But I I had never, you know, in all of my years, I'd never had anybody actually explain that to me. And it's like, okay, so you see change is fatal. Yes, it means somebody's going to go away. We're never going to see them again. It's either death or moving, somebody moves away, a broken marriage, a broken relationship. And it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, change is every breath. It's, it's you know, as subtle as every breath. Every breath is different. Every breath is change. Every heartbeat is change. Every time, your, you know, your eyelids bat, it's change. You know, why would we want to make it just focus on some very drastic situation that a person has encountered because change is natural and we don't have to get into, okay, the ultimate thing is, you know, we're in the nothingness and if there's a nothingness then we're standing in the stillness of time and there is no time, there's no this, there's no that. Yes, and those are states of mind that one can come to and practice. And I have seen those. I have witnessed people who have actually achieved that. And it's just awesome. I haven't gotten there yet. And I don't know a, a great number of people who have. But yes, it's possible. So we're not going to go and make that wrong for anybody. Okay? But I'm saying on the ordinary basis, when we get into our cyclic situations, and the universe is definitely going through that, there we constantly are in the, flux of what's happening in the greater outer ranges of reality that vibrate and emerge into the tiny space that we call our space, which is our field, our aura. Now the more you come to the mind expanding practices of what you are studying and some of the things you bring up in these conversations you will achieve a great reach that you don't have now you're not so narrow not so small and you will make a difference and it will be a good difference and I want to encourage you to continue to do that now but what I want to come back to because we're pretty much into uh, half of the program is let's talk about leadership and organization What, what role does that have in what we're looking at what's happening in our world well look around you look at the elections Look at the particular global family and all of its economic concerns and fears. Look at the constant waging of possible war. You know, look at all of this. And so, if you're meditating and looking at the brighter side of that, that's wonderful. But the point is, that kind of activity is in the field. You have an impact on it. You really do. And you matter whatever you're doing in order to maintain a good uh, particular basis of harmony. You're you're influencing the whole of it. And I believe that for us as humans, we are headed to a much greater enlightenment of reality than we've ever had before. And it isn't in denial, because a lot of the people who think different than I do will say, you're people, you know, people like you are just in denial. No, I'm not in denial. It's just that I don't have to start my day Actually, listening to CNN and actually take into my mind and my day all of the nightmare stories that they particular perpetrate out of sensationalism and wanting our attention. Okay, so when I'm in my particular world, I want to have, I want to have happier things. So I start out with meditation and dance and uh, qigong and you know tai chi and things that just make me really just soak my cells and atoms in every beautiful thing that I can find. I start out by immediately saying, as many of you who who share these times with me, I say immediately, you know, my eyes will see 1,000 beautiful things. Well, if I'm focused on seeing those 1,000 beautiful things, I'm not going to spend an hour listening to drastic whatever's going on somewhere, Okay. And and I truly do feel best. You know, I'm out here in the southwest. I go back to the east coast in Ohio, and it's beautiful in the forest, you know, the southeastern woodlands of my home. I, you know, and I go up north, and then I go back deep south, and then I'll leave the continent and go to some other land, be Australia, Germany, or someplace. And I explore the mother as you would explore your neighborhood. You know, I you go to the little store down the street for the bakery or over here for your groceries and down the other side for your little dress or your little sweater. Well, I do that all over the world. So for me, you know, my reality is whatever I'm going to take with it. And, and here's the evidence of how if we hold our focus on our reality is I'll enter into places and they'll say, wow, it's fortunate you weren't here yesterday or a couple of days ago, and that'll tell me all the horrible things that were going on, and that now it's okay. I, you know, I don't have any problem, egotistically, as you may see that as, is knowing that's because I came. I wasn't up to that. I wasn't into that. I wasn't going to have any of that, and therefore, it didn't wait around for me. <laughs> you know? And some people just look at that and think that's just outrageous to have somebody say that. But that it's not that I'm just saying that; I believe that. So I'm okay when people say, you know, Grandmother Parrish is a little bit of an airhead. Well, okay, if that's an airhead, that you know, I'm I'm doing that. But when we come to actually wanting to see what is the difference that we make. We must be organized. I mean, in order to hold that reality, I think through it very, very thoroughly. I cultivate my thoughts. I'm constantly observing myself. People that work around me will laugh because I'll talk to myself. And sometimes when some little idiocy creeps in that, you know, that's totally not familiar or something I don't want to have any part with, I'll actually say to myself, "Parisha, where did that come from? Who's talking? Where, what is that? You know, and then I take time to ponder that and ask myself, how'd you let that in? You know, where did that come from? And then I check all of the feelings and emotions that are around what was just said. And that, that makes up my day. You know, that, that helps me live in the reality that I want to live in. Is that I determine and I, I determine what I let in now. Let's talk about the fact that the work, the humanitarian work that I do, you know, I go around the world and I'm looking for where I'm needed, okay, and where I'm needed isn't always pretty, isn't always peaceful and harmonic, okay, there's disasters going on and I want to be there to help people get back into a better reality and so I enter into some of the worst conditions. But I still look for that positive little glimmer of something that allows me to see that the Great Spirit is still present here and that we need to only start pulling on that one little seed or that one little ember of light. And then that's where I go and I focus on that and I allow it to just keep growing till it finally takes over the field. And I don't know how to explain it to people any better than that. I do I find something beautiful, something just precious, and that just becomes my whole reality, and I realize that all around the edges, you know, all around around the particular perimeter is just things that that are just suffering and just just tragic. but I don't let that be my reality as a leader. I know that I'm there to make the change. And whatever degree of leader I am, I have to take the power and the authority of that. So sometimes when I come into areas, people are so traumatized; they're not thinking straight. They're doing, uh, you know, they're not good. They're not in a good strategy. They're not doing anything to help the situation. They're just kind of maybe sitting, and whatever. Okay. And then I have to start taking over, and then I look at what is needed, what needs the most immediate attention and just start firing orders and directives with that. Start immediately physically making movement and change and doing things that should have been done, but at this point the people were not thinking, couldn't do it. So in that, you know, that to me is what I call leadership. I look at what needs to be done and I take the initiative. Okay, if someone else is already there and helping put things together I immediately go into cooperation So these are words that become the particulars or the details of the mode of mind that I go into so I realize this person's already got this this and that going and I need to only cooperate so I pitch in and add to it and at some point what usually has unfolded over these many many years is that they'll come to a place to where they too have gone into exhaustion. And then I have to pick up where is that and make up some new uh, strategies or phases or pathways. And then at some point when I'm pretty much ready to do this or that or move on, then somebody else comes and it's just this unfolding of leadership. But then by the time everybody gets into mold and takes care of that which is ready and can be done, okay, and the template of that order is done, then we are complete. And that means community is up and thriving. Usually that commerce is back in business. You know, there there's particulars that you take care of right away in order to make people's life become ordinary again. And you know, usually I've and I've had people who are new to all of this say, Why did you go in and get the businesses up? Why didn't you take care of this or this or that? that we did take care of that. We immediately gave them whatever they physically needed to be comfortable and warm and fed, okay, and until we get the community up and moving again, nothing normal will return for their life. so we do we go in and spend immediate attention and how can we help the merchants get their stuff back up and going? You know how do we get the municipality buildings and and maybe the governments of wherever's there? back in office so that they can begin to do their job. And sometimes it it may look to somebody new to it that we're simply taking care of the the commercial end of it more than we are the personal end of it. And that's not true. I mean, the immediate need of water and warmth and dryness and comfort and rest and medical care and everything else, that, that is being done. But the only reality that we can... Put back into motion here so these people come out of trauma is to give their ordinary life back through setting the community back into action. And that takes leadership. That takes people that are not afraid to have other people disagree or, you know, not particularly want to work team. You know, what I love about it is, and I have come to accept in my life. I don't have any problem with anybody's religion. I really don't. And and I never really did have, but I had questions about different things that people do, you know, only to want to understand or how it come to be done that way. But because of when we come into these particular disaster areas, everybody goes into the very breast of who they are. And you see people of all religions working together without maintaining some kind of superficial difference nobody wants to see anyone else suffer so they immediately go to doing whatever they need to do in order to help people become warm and taken care of and and it's just beautiful and when people are praying you you know i walk through the camp like in the evening or in the early morning and then you'll have all of these particular religions represented by people who are sitting in groups and praying together or chanting together or sometimes, you know, doing it, the, the rattles and the drums and stuff. And it to me, I just, I, don't, I have no word for what I feel. It is such a bliss. And as I move through the areas that we're working in, I just move from one particular uh, experience of, of this group to another to another to another till I've learned that in my many years of exposure to it I have become part of all of them you know sometimes when I end up going through all of this and I'm walking through I remember okay so and so's not here yet you know and that's how I know them as part of the whole need that brings the community and the people back together and i don't hear them praying and, and i don't hear their chanting and the how they represent the love of of the great spirit in their own way so i realize that in my appreciation as well as my respect of them i don't focus on their differences i have come to love that which they give and and people sense that You know, it's not a pretentious politeness, it's a sincerity and an interest, and I'm nurtured by that. So it's very easy to nurture back and not have any reason to, you know, disidentify or pull away or whatever. So in being a true leader, you have to allow yourself to not just have a tolerance. A tolerance means something is testy and you're just tolerating it or just putting up with it. Okay, It's an acceptance. Leadership is an acceptance that everybody has the right to that respect. That every life and every form of life has the right to that respect. So when we're saying that we're good organizers but we're not leaders, I would say to you, why do you not want to take the title that gives you the respect of what it is you're doing? And many people will say, well, you know, it just seems egotistical and stuff. I think we've whipped that word far more than it's comfortable anymore. What what does that mean? That all of a sudden you're going to be in denial, so you think it's healthier to be in denial than accepting that you are a good leader and that you are capable and that you have a knack of just making these things work. You know, that's the ego, and and we're gonna now we're we're thinking that denial is healthier, right? Because anybody that's doing it knows that they're doing it anybody that has that capability does it because they know they're capable and we don't need them to be think that they need to be politely humble because of some other person thinking they think a lot of themselves I think that people do these things I know I do in order to think good of myself I love knowing that I've made a difference I've said this a million times to people when people are thanking me, don't don't feel the need to thank me. Believe me, this is what I needed to do. This is what I wanted. I am here because I could be no place else. And it's it's when you really feel that, that you know when you come into the area, you've already determined that you're holding an energy that will make the difference and will help people through that dark spell. I would love to see people. You know, we do in many of the circles that I work with. I have people stand up and announce themselves, because people are are a little hesitant to say something grateful and beautiful about themselves. And I'll have them all declare that they're that they're good leaders, that they're powerful, that they're beautiful. Uh, you know, sometimes women who don't feel or you know are are prop you know. Uh, I don't know if you're gonna understand the word mousy, but just kind of low profiled and pulling away, and it's wonderful to see them stand up and boldly stand there and say that they're sexy and sensual and beautiful and this and that and you know, and then you hear the men talk about being powerful and having vigorous energy and you know, just it, I just love it, and people will say that you know when they get through. Everybody feels pumped over it for a while. It's like, why can't you do this all the time? This makes your performance better. And I don't care what performance you're thinking about right now. It makes all them performances better. And we we want to be, bring that charge up. And so when you stand there, you know, and you say this, and, you, and we always speak our name, and we say at this, you know, that my reality is this, this, or that, and that my will to be is this this and that and then we we take charge of who we are and I tell people you know I don't want to hear you know that I am just a housewife don't put any just in it okay I'm a wonderful housewife you know I love my husband I am sexy and sensual you know we have a wonderful physical sexual life our children are happy you know I want to hear that and so when people get up and, and we say that, I, I just love the change of energy around them. And then I watch them for a period of time, and they can carry it. And then they start going into what I call that subdued aura again. And then I'll pull them together, and it's like, okay, we have to do our de- declaration, you know, our acclamation. And then we stand up and have everybody do it again and then i watch how much stuff gets done i mean how much actually gets accomplished because they're walking in that for a while the moment that they've said it and even the embarrassment you know cuz sometimes people are still trying to be very modest so i fill in the words and i kind of give them the script say this say that you know feel it give me give me drama with it you know put 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 uh, emotions in there put feel it you know and when they do that, there's a lot of laughing. And yes, there's a lot of uncomfortableness in it. But then when, they, when they've when they done it, they take the charge from it. And in that, they begin to actually enjoy being a part of it. And sometimes when I see a real breakthrough with somebody, I'll say, you know, I, I find time to walk alongside of them or do something alongside of them and say, you know, are you feeling that change? And many times I see their eyes fill up with tears and they'll say, I've never allowed myself to feel this. You know, I've seen women that are really playing down whatever physical attributes they have and feeling maybe not as beautiful as somebody else, whoever they're role modeling or whatever. I don't know where they bring themselves with all that because I don't, but I I could see it in them. And then, then they'll say to me, "I never considered myself powerful, and a, a woman or a leader. You know, whatever whatever they've had to to profess to that that they in their hearts knew they were doing, but they just never wanted to boast of it. Maybe. And then I see how they it changes them once they feel it's worded. And then after everybody makes their statement of that whatever their particular statement is we say yes you are you know and they'll they we're, we're agreeing with them we're we're in i think in some people's ways and minds we're giving testimony or testifying with them and it's just it's just a wonderful outcome and i want you all to actually begin to do that with yourself and louise hayes started this many many years ago god love her and she would have people stand in the mirror and make those proclamations. Well why can't you do that? And see where it is that you're you know, pulling away and then find out why. You know, what are you afraid of? Why why, why would you recline and pull away from that, withdraw? And as you stand in the mirror, look into your eyes. How many of you are actually looking into the eyes of that leader and complimenting yourself? Telling yourself you are powerful? How many times have you realized that you've really worked hard, you've made a difference, and you really made something happen? I invite you to go then and get a mirror, take a mirror with you if you don't have a bathroom or something that has a mirror in it. I want you to look into your eyes. I want you to talk to that beloved. Give it praise, give it acknowledgement. Call it by name. Bear witness with it. We are entitled to that. The Great Spirit has put that in us already. In occasions of challenges or crises, many times it shows up with people who never ever thought that they had it. Love brings it forward. But you want to... Begin to invite it in, in easier times. So getting up, you know, when you're in front of the mirror and you're doing your hair. And you get your hair and you get ready for your day and everything. Maybe your makeup or whatever. Stand in the mirror and tell yourself, look how beautiful you are. You are gorgeous today. You will add beauty to whatever room you walk into. Everyone today will be brightened. By just the sight of you. Have you ever said that? Have you ever felt that? You know, when people in a lot of the leadership training I do, we have come to a very relaxed uh, population where people will come to work looking very sloppy and unkept, and everybody's thinking that's cool, okay? Uh, And I I realize, as I'm saying this, beloved, I mean, there will be many of you who will say, well, grandmother's old school. Well, yeah. You know, I realize that if I'm coming in to do something that's worthy, I need to show that I care. I need to show that it's important. I need to show that I respect it and that I am looking for something special out of it. And in that, then, I have to come to it special. I have to dress to compliment it. I have to show that I care. I can tell you in the many, many business ventures that I have been very successful in and have enjoyed that all my life. I will only associate and go forward with people who show they came forward and cared. And everybody reacts to it, even though some people have come to accept, well, that's just the way young people dress today. And, I, and when I'm interviewing and I'm looking to put somebody in a position and when a person comes in and I see them like that, I, I don't want to be brutal with it, but I let them know that I, would, I have hesitance in even interviewing them for it because they have not showed me that they've come forward with the thought of caring what my opinion might be or anybody else's opinion may be of how they care for themselves and so you want to know that a good leader looks like a leader what's your picture of a leader and when you stand in front of that mirror make sure that that's who you see what do you have to do to see that and then then you go into the thinking of that what do you how do you have to perform and be and what is the character You know, in leadership, there's an attitude. What is your attitude? And at that point, you know, are you actually making that a reality? Is that what's happening? Or are you in some denial again with that, you know? I would like to see you take that on this week and make that part of your reality. Talk to the beloved. Talk to the very essence of the altar that you are. It is this body where we meet and engage with whatever holy name we call the Supreme Being. And we are part of it. My question to you, can you accept that you are an integral part of this very powerful and magnificent universe? And what role will you take? what role speaks to you haunts you and draws you forward look at that mirror and declare it and live it well time is up and i see activity coming so i'm going to have to scoot out i think you probably hear in the background bella announcing that we got to move forward now so you have a wonderful week I love you very much, and Jules, beloved, I do hope that you can work with this. Being in the field has given me a real track record this week. Love you all, and take care, and remember, stand and be that which you really need to be, whatever you have decided that is. Love you all. Have a great week. All good things. This is Parishah, and this is Windows in Your Mind. Well, okay, it's that time of being complete again and going forward to assimilate and use what we've shared and learned. It's with love of humanity that I serve, and it's always good when you're with me. I value in your time, so I say to you, Olamaliyah, we are family. Walk in beauty upon the great Mother Earth and be the blessing that you are. I send you my hugs and kisses on the breeze and in the sun. Beloveds, I am always with you. Have a wonder-filled week, and celebrate all good things. For those of you who want to keep in touch through Facebook, remember that it's www.facebook.com, C-O-M, slash forward, and it's V-E-N, period, P-A, period, R-I-S, period, H-A. And make sure that you share what you want to say and share your stuff. And I look so forward to that. So until then, know we are blessed. See you soon.
1: Thank you for listening to Grandmother Parisha on your journey to the windows in your mind. For further information or to contact grandmother, please visit parishes-world.com. worldcom
2: Much more than I've ever known, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful.